We've been trying to do the intro to this bit with Dominic Herbertson for the last, what, 35 seconds, and it's impossible to get him to sit still for five minutes. He's my next guest on Mountain Memories. And Dom, I think it's fair to say with you and your dad's history at the Isle of Man, Tita, your memory goes back a long, long way. Tell us about your first time coming to the Isle of Man, and welcome back to the Isle of Man, if not being that, it's virtually. Oh, there, there we go then. But I tell, I'd rather be there myself. But obviously, you know the 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 weird times that we live in, Chris. It is a uh, you can only you can only deal with the hand you've got, can't you? Sometimes. But uh, no, thank you very much for having us on the show and looking forward to uh, answering your nonsense of questions. And I'm quite <laughs> quite. It's a bit weird, normally I'm looking physically down on you. You're the only person oh. shorter than me, so I, I love I love that. <laughs> Not in uh, intellectual standards, or Chris. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> So we're about a minute in, he's already started abusing me. Let's go back to your first memory of the Isle of Man. We need, we need to, this is what we're looking for. Tell us about it. Can you remember it? Oh, to be honest, um, no, not really. Um, it's, it's just been a blur now, obviously, like uh, our family. Now, my dad's race, as you know, and as you mentioned, um, we've just been going over as a family holiday for years and years and years. But even growing up around the Isle of Man, you know, we grew up at the Manx Grand Prix paddock, which has now been put into the classic TT and it's obviously that little, that little bit different. But going over every August was just, we took it for granted. Now, lots of people go and it's part of their, what do you call it, bucket list to go and to go even spectate. Mm. Now, us Herbertsons, we took it for granted. You know, me and my two older sisters, it was just like, there goes the family holiday. Mm. Now, you know, other kids get to go to Florida or they go off to the latest strip. No, we're very lucky that we get to go to the, the mecca of road racing. <laughs> but at the time, we didn't realise what that was, mm. to be blunt. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't that atmosphere of going, oh, look how lucky you are. It was just meant we get to go play with our mates in the skate park or go down to the beach. And then, but my earliest memory of it is not exactly a place but my earliest engravement of it was seeing my dad's face how happy he was now he's you know he's never had the money to go off and do it any other thing like anything else now he was very lucky that he got put in classic racing and the lasting memory is just seeing how happy he is when he got off a bike at the TD or around the mountain course shall we say and mm. in the rest of the year He's just, uh, he's a proper parent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just clips yeah. me around the head when he can and he keeps his kids in line as they also a parent should. And, but seeing him really just let go for two weeks, that was my first proper engraving memory of the place. Was that always your big plan then, was to come and do the Manx Grand Prix and then move up to the June races? Was that always your plan? Was that always the, the key for you? Um, to be honest, it was... My key thing was just being able to compete, but not compete is the wrong thing, to go and, like, go and do it. There was a, diff, diff, a big difference between going there and competing and going there and doing it. And obviously, like, with the Manx, that was a, a fantastic stepping stone. You know, obviously, I've grown up. All I really knew was the Manx Grand Prix as such. The TT was a huge... There was a difference, and there still is a difference, sadly, between the Manx Grand Prix and the TT. And what I mean by that is the money injection and the sheer utter speeds. Now, don't get me wrong. People that compete at the Manx and the Classic TT and the TT all achieve the same highly incredible achievement of just going there and like finishing. And if you're lucky enough to finish, you know that is something that people go there and try and achieve all the time. But for me... It was very much a case of 
wanting to go there and do it and see I've done it just to mm. reflect like see you know to do something that my dad's done you know following his footsteps but like everything it became <laughs> it became so much more after doing it myself it was just like I got off the bike at like doing my first lap I mean, like a newcomer lap doesn't really count mm. I'm going to be very honest about that you know it's very much a a ticket box in the exercise, you know, calm yourself down before you get such an adrenaline fix. And you go around and you think, this is good, this is good. And you do remember your newcomer's lap. But when you get the tap on the shoulder and off you go by yourself, that's when you really start to learn a place. And I remember coming in going, how do I do this for the rest of my life? And that's where the the competitive side came into us and then you did your first lap and think, how do I go a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster. But at no point did I ever think I would be seated at the TT mm. ever. That, that's the truth of it. Let's go back to and, the Banks Grand Prix. Then when you stepped off the boat for that one, not for a family holiday, but to do it for real sixth place in newcomers B uh, 18th in the Banks Grand Prix super twin. But um, that's seven years ago. That's scary, isn't it? Where's that time gone? That where where ha, that that is that's phenomenal because like that would have been 2013, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. 2013, and um, my first ever year on a bike was um, 2012. I never did oh. motocross or anything, but I got my road license um, the year before that because my dad my dad said to us, "Look, if you want to do the mans, you know, you're going to have to first of all a pay for it yourself." <laughs> you know, I've got, I've been very, well, that's it. You know, you never had, you know, I, I was, we never had the money to go, but they are son. You know, my parents did a proper job and by what that I mean is they didn't give something to me that they couldn't give the girls. Mm. So if they gave me, they are son, there's a motorcycle. Them two would want, I don't know, a Bugatti Veyron. That's the same comparison and price of racing motorcycles. But in 2012, I got my road license because I could skip novice, you see. I didn't have to do two years and then I could go straight from one year and I had to do, you had to get 10 signatures over three different circuits, but then you had to finish in the top 93% of your time for the mm, ACU. Okay. So you had to go there for my first season thinking, I want to do the Manx next year. And I just, <laughs> I just went nuts at it. I saved up all my money. It just went absolutely hammer and tail. So I went to Knock Hill with the Northeast Club. I went to Croft with the North East Club. <laughs> I went to a circuit that you've probably, you've probably never heard of, East Fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Scotland, I, oh, my God's country up there. If you, if you, if you want a proper, a proper track, it's East Fortune, where your runoff is literally a potato field. It's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> you get a free meal anyway in these tough times. Let's, right, let's move forward right. a little bit. Let's talk about the Kawasaki thing. But first, before I do that, because obviously, you know, winning around in August you know, winning around the mountain course in August. How special is that going to sit on those shoulders, those broad Dominic Herbertson shoulders for years to come? Uh, no, it was... Now, my dad, my dad achieved a podium behind mm-hmm. uh, one of your local Nutter residents, Chris Palmer, <laughs> obviously TT winner and everything. But to go around and win yourself was just... Without sounding cliche and like a chick flick from it, you know, a 90s film... It, it was just, it was unbelievable, you know, and it's something that we can replicate now. And it was a huge confidence boost as me as a rider. And then after doing it that year, then getting on a new bike on the Kawasaki, 
with a new team, like um, the Davies Motorsport in the modern paddock, very, very, very well known, highly respected in the classic, classic world, and they could build competitive bikes. You know, I hopped on and I was racing for the win with Jamie Coward and Michael Rutter and a fair few other lads. But to be able to transfer that back on to the, the Kawasaki on the same year, we went from 127s to just shy of 130s. Mm. And like our track, like um, the Davis team got the Kawasaki straight from, oh God, they'll hate me for this. But we got it from the MSS lads mm-hmm. and then just went straight from there, put it on, went to the Northwest. The bike, unfortunately, had we found all the teething problems electronic wise and then went to the TT and just, and well, you know, how, I don't have to tell you and your listeners how rubbish the weather was at the, <laughs> the TT that year. It was there. Uh, I think we all would have done better on bloody Kawasaki jet skis, man. Never mind anything else. <laughs> So what about this season? What was the plan for the season? Obviously with the Davies Motorsport team uh, when the Kawasaki and the Classic Bikes, but the, the plan was to come back here again and, and do the whole season. I mean, Northwest 200, TT, Scarboroughs, Ulster Grand Prix, all sorts. But at the moment, nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's just... Uh, working, good, probably. Wait, to be honest, even the, oh, we won't even go down the working route, Chris. We won't even go down the working route. But obviously, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm getting little bits of work. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that aren't getting any work at all. So you've got to count your blessings where you can. But I think, I think everyone says this as a rider. Oh, this is going to be my best year yet. You know, this is going to be my best year yet. You know, if you're going into racing without, with, without that attitude, you shouldn't be on the track. Mm. If you're not there to go and try and beat yourself or improve on yourself, there's no point going in my book. Mm, you absolutely. Know, totally in my yeah. book. But the team, we had a fantastic idea. You know, I've got a lot of, per- like, I had a lot of personal sponsors who are really, like, really behind me for this year. And I can't thank them enough. We even started like a 130 club, Chris, that, that like the go to the TD to try and beat the 130. Mm. And now, hope, like, now, don't get me wrong, you know, all them amazing people who are part of the club, you know, that's going to just carry on into 2021 <laughs> when we get back to the TD. Because even though you're getting a bit of help from Kawasaki and the Davis team, you're still effectively privateers aren't you oh totally you know as far as support that we get from you know kawasaki it's the same with really the, as all the other tt teams you know we get a bit of you know not financial backing you know we get product help mm. and a little bit of product help and the good thing about the kawasaki lad, the best thing about the kawasaki lads is they're always forefront of information you know they're not scared to pick up you know if you pick up the phone of them they're there to help and having them around the paddock is a, a, a really it just takes the stress away a bit to buy a bit, I mean a lot, because imagine if you just went, you had a piston in one hand, a Conrad new one just went, uh, has anyone got one of these? You know, people are willing to help, which is brilliant. I, th- I think it's fair to say that uh, we need characters like you around the paddock, and one of the things that I want <laughs> I to mention... You rolled your eyes there, Chris. I can see you on the laptop. Here, like, <laughs> get rid of this. No, get no, we're them. all right. We're all right, don't worry. Uh, you do a little um, online thing as well yourself, don't you, with Chrissy Rouse, who is no mean rider in his own right. So... Give that a bit of a flash. What's all that about? You, you'd be oh, a oh, God, bit, star now. Oh, God, well, a bit of product placement. Chris, you'd be kicking his head in about they <laughs> are. Um, you've got to say that in a joke. Let's see your ex, like, go at that. Chasing the racing. That's it. You do sound like you're having a stroke mind, Chris. Yeah. There you go. But your Jordy's not that good. <laughs> but, uh, hey, no, it's, it's, hey, it's better than mine on most days, to be fair. Right. But, uh, no, uh, Chase the Racing, it was, um, it was a podcast that we started it like over a year ago now well over a year ago and we're getting we're getting top guests online but essentially 
doing your job, but we're allowed mm. to swear on the pod now and then. <laughs> ah. ah, but we don't swear on Mags Radio, not a no, chance. Not, no, please not, don't, no. We'll be, we'll be in a bit of bother. <laughs> That's Listen, Bonnie, no. lad, I hope you have a, a safe rest of 2020. Hopefully we'll see you at some point. Between yeah, the hedges, we've got to, you know, we've got to wait for these things to blow over. And uh, you and your family there, and wish you dad the best, and tell them to get off that roof, will you? you? Should know better at his age. Okay, Dom. Listen, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll let you get back to whatever you're doing and get back on that Schweppes tonic here in the corner. Right? Good man, Dom. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. See you in a bit.